0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. My name is Stephanie Hansen, and I am the host. And I'm here today with Christine Leonard. And she is the proprietress, founder <laughs> of the Greater Good MN. And Christine is a person that has a ton of interest in cheese and makes uh kind of farm-to-table-ish cheese boards. And we've talked to some cheese board folks before, but Christine, what I liked about when you reached out to me was you really seem to have like this uh, passion about the cheese itself and the farms itself. And it's a little bit more of a foodie experience from the farm versus just like pretty cheese boards. Does that describe it?
1: that you hit it perfectly on the head. I I love working with the farmers and cheese makers and you know I really consider my role as kind of the liaison between the cheese and the people eating it. Um, you know we've all been there you know when we go to, to the cheese counter at a grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh, this cheese is forty dollars a pound. why? Yes and my goal is kind of just to you know tell you why. <laughs>
0: so you're the cheese ambassador. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about like an experience that someone might have with your company. So they're going to maybe start with ordering a board, but you do classes and give me a little bit of background about how you got started and then how people kind of interact with you.
1: Sure. So I don't think I can start talking about the cheese boards without really talking about the fact that I'm actually a more than full-time dairy farmer. Um, so my parents and I, we have a farm just west of Waconia, so about 45 minutes west of Minneapolis. Um, and And really... My love and my passion for dairy farming is really kind of what brought me into the cheese space in the first place. Um, I start. I went to school at UW Stout, which is in Menominee, Wisconsin. I have a degree in food science and technology. Uh, right after I graduated, I really wanted to come home to the farm and farm with my parents and they said, no, go do something else. And so I got to go make cheese for a year up at Redhead Creamery, which is in Bruton, Minnesota. Sure. Um, yeah. So they make farmstead artisan cheeses. And that's really where I fell in love with that aspect of it. And, um, and really, so when you guys are ordering a board from me, kind of what, What kind of you should be expecting is really that. Well, my parents did let me come home. I should also throw that in there. (laughs) I've I've been full time farming since twenty eighteen. The cheese board started as a side hustle in twenty nineteen, and then twenty twenty we put up a commercial kitchen right on our farm, so I can um, be licensed to make boards as well. But when you guys order a board from me, all that to say is that you know. Um, when you order a board, I actually send with like a little worksheet that talks about the four cheeses that I've picked out for you, where it's from, what kind of a milk it is, what kind of a cheese it is, um, kind of flavor notes, a little bit of a story sometimes about the farm that it's coming from, and then what to pair it with too. So when you get the board, it should really be more of an experience to eat it and not just, hey, this is a, I mean, it, it can be a snack too, but I, I want it to be an impactful thing that you're eating. Um, so the boards are kind of where I started and the classes, the classes are really my favorite part. I think you've talked, go ahead. Sorry. Do people (laughs) come to the commercial kitchen to take the class or do
0: you do them over zoom?
1: Good question. So I did a few um, over Zoom, but mostly I actually I work with a lot of I do a lot of private in-home classes, wineries, breweries, um, apple orchards, those kinds of things, uh, even some stores and stuff. I've done a lot of company classes. And what happens is I bring with a flight of six cheeses for each person. You get kind of a, a tasting flight of cheese. And I come and I, we kind of talk through how cheese is made. Um, We talk through the, the specific farms and creameries, you know, with wine, we hear, we do wine tastings and stuff and beer tastings all the time. Cheese can have just as much of that terroir as a wine can, especially, you know, when we're dealing with local cheeses too. I think it's really fun to get to highlight some of the amazing um, cheesemakers and farmers that we have really here in Minnesota. It
0: is interesting because cheese that you mentioned, the terroir, I mean, what we're saying there is that animals eat certain things and those things they eat are different based on the region that they're eating them. And then their milk has a certain type of flavor, might be more grassy, might be more weedy, whatever the case may be, that then expresses into the cheese that is made. And, you know, when someone says like, oh, I don't like goat cheese, for instance, Mm -hmm. That's like kind of like saying, because there's all different kinds of goat cheese, right? And all different ways to process in effect. So there's harder goat cheese and softer goat cheese and flavor goat cheese. And so it's like saying, I don't like any red wine when, you know, they can be vastly different from a lighter chilled, very fragrant to all the way up to a super balmy, juicy. So I do think it's interesting to look at cheese in that regard. And also, like we're talking about completely different animals, right? When you say a dairy, I'm assuming a cow dairy. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. We So, know. you know, a goat dairy farmer is very different than a cow dairy farmer. And those cheeses are different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I We've gotten into like really this love of like the snack boards and the cheese boards. But you know, they're more than beautiful, right? Different cheeses take on different personalities. Different cheeses are going to be appropriate at different times of a meal, let's say. With wine, when you taste it, you really can, like, taste the subtleties and the complexities when you do a tasting of, like, all Zinfandels, for instance. Do you find that, like, doing six cheeses in a flight like that really helps people identify the nuances? <laughs>
1: Well, so my goal right now actually is really just to kind of get people exposed to different kinds of cheese in the first place. You know, when you ask someone, "What's your favorite cheese?" they're gonna be like, "Oh, I like a cheddar." Usually, it's a cheddar or a gouda or choude, I guess is how you'd say it. Um, But you know, they don't, or they like, I like a brie. You know, but if somebody asks me that question, I can get a lot deeper into it because I have a a wider knowledge of, you know, different varieties of those cheeses. but, but really, you know, the goal of the classes, I guess, is just to is just to, to really introduce people to different things. So that way, when they go to that cheese counter and, you know, you're intimidated looking at 50, 60 different cheeses in front of you, or like, what do I even choose? Now you can, hopefully, I I encourage people to always have a conversation with their cheese monger, that person behind the counter and be like, well, I really liked this one cheese. I tried at this class that I went to, and these are the things I liked about it. Can you find me something else that's kind of similar to that, you know, to really use my classes as a stepping stone to even, even get you know more um you know more adventurous with their cheese eating too
0: is the ultimate goal for you to make cheese or do you want to continue in the education process you, the commercial kitchen is making me wonder
1: yeah so a goal of mine you know when i first came back to the farm i wanted to do on farm processing right off the bat and i think a kind of a biggest issue with that is it takes a lot of time and I love working with cows. That's why I wanted to come home and farm. And so right now, you know, we're just kind of looking through options of how can I get products made out of the cows, you know, out of the milk that our cows are giving. Um, You know, someday I would love to milk some, like a little bit smaller herd of cows and make cheese. I've also dabbled in, there's not that many people in the Midwest right now, um, you know, kind of taking care of cheese and really aging it to the perfect, you know, to that perfect uh, there's a lot that can happen after the cheese make. Um, it, you know, once that cheese is made, everything that you do from there until you open it at your kitchen table to eat it, there's so many different things that can affect the flavor of a cheese in between there. So I just would love to be a part of that process um, in whatever I w- and in whatever way I can. So
0: do you remember I think it was pretty recent that there was like, the, the caves of Faribault, maybe, or someone like found a hundred year old cheese. Do you remember this? Oh, I do not know that. I, I don't know that story. It was somewhat recent, like, and they went ahead and they like tasted it, and it was still like edible and super funky, obviously. But, yep. um, I think I'm getting this story right. I think it happened like during the pandemic, it was like you know, that whole period of time was yep. such a blur. Um, but yeah, there is like this whole storage of cheese and the aging of cheese too.
1: Yeah. And I I know um Widmer cheese sellers down in Wisconsin, they had I had, It was I did, theirs. Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe about. I did hear that story. They found an aged brick, which brick is a very stinky cheese. And one of their distributors found this block of brick way in the back of their fridge or something. And and it was still OK. You know, it's made to be eaten a little bit sooner than that. But okay. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: it wasn't 100 years, but I, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. So funny. And Widmer's has some really delicious cheese. Oh, yeah. When you're putting a board together, like I've always heard, you know, you want to use these four types of cheeses. Like what are the basics of just a board? Mm
1: hmm. So for me, it kind of rotates as to what I have in stock. I try to work with the cheesemakers to make sure that I'm carrying things that, you know, are ready to be eaten, that they're like, oh, I wish somebody would eat this. Um, I just think about Redhead Creamery. They have their North Fork, which is a whiskey-washed Munster, which can be a really intimidating cheese. And I know Elise will send, you know, she'll post pictures sometimes. She'll be like, this Munster is perfect right now. And so my goal is to work with those cheesemakers to serve their cheeses When it's perfect. Um, but I like to kind of, it depends on who I'm serving. If I'm doing kind of a standard board, I usually do one kind of a more plain approachable cheese, um, one softer cheese, um, something kind of funky. And then I like to do something flavored too, just so that everybody, you know, has something that they're going to like and gravitate towards as well.
0: What would you do as like, what's your kind of base? Is Is it always a cow and is it always a cheddar?
1: Um, it, it, again, it depends on what I have in stock. There's almost always going to be a cow's milk cheddar on there just because again, affordability wise, I have to make sure I'm working within my range of, you know, what I have allotted for cheese. You know, cow's milk cheeses are typically going to be the least expensive because cows give the most amount of milk. Um, you know, and, and so, so it's a little bit more affordable sometimes to make cheese from cow's milk, but, um, whenever I can, I'm trying to put on some of those, maybe more expensive cheeses too, to really give people a kind of a taste of something that you maybe wouldn't always buy at the grocery store too. So can
0: you think of the last cheese that just really did it for you?
1: Oh man, that's so tough. Uh, they all kind of like they, they all have such a special place in my heart. Um, I just cut into the fawn, which is from Deer Creek Cheese, a couple weeks ago. And whenever you get the opportunity to have a freshly cut piece of cheese right out of a wheel. The aromatics on that and the flavor notes on that are just something else. Um, this weekend, I'm very, very excited. I'm digging into a wheel of Big Woods Blue from Shepherd's Way Farms down in Nurse Strand. So that's a sheep's milk blue cheese. Sheep's milk is higher in fat and protein, which makes it a creamier milk, which makes it a perfect vessel for blue to grow blue cheese, you know, to, to make it a blue cheese, basically. That
0: so it's a really good blue cheese. Too. Yeah.
1: I'm looking forward to that one. And then that Apricity, I don't know if you've had that from Alamar Cheese Company yet. Apricity means the warmth of sun in winter. And so... Um this cheese you know is highlighted kind of during the winter and it's this small little geo rind it's a little four ounce wheel it's kind of a soft ripened cheese so that outside part is really really creamy and almost pungent and that center is really mild it's a really fun experience there's people that I served it during a class and everybody was like what is this and then I sold out of everything after the class because they're like this was amazing you know something you again you wouldn't always try but I oh. kind of love. so
0: well and they're uh, making that cheese pretty close to me so yes I'm gonna keep uh keep my eye out for that say the name of it again it's called apricity a-p-r-i-c-i-t-y apricity apricity not opricity okay yeah cool. yep. i'm gonna look for that um in terms of like the board itself you've got your four cheeses do you then feel like you need to have a piece of bread you need to have a cracker like what are the accoutrements that you typically will put on a board
1: so I try to do it um, kind of by level. Um, I know how expensive eating cheese can get too. So I always give people an option to add on meat if they want to add on meat and add on crackers if they want to add on crackers. So those are all just kind of bonus things. But on the boards themselves, um, I try to work around the cheese and really make sure that I'm highlighting pairings that I would suggest with that cheese. So if there's a brie, um, I get, get locally made jam. So I'll put that right next to that cheese so that, you know, to try it with that. If I have a blue cheese, I source local honey. I'm sticking that honey right next to that blue cheese, maybe with some walnuts because that's going to be an awesome pairing. So that way people are intuitively eating as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so jams, honeys, nuts, fruits, uh, olives, pickles, you know, uh, if you've ever had redhead creamery's garlic cheddar, their garlic cheddar with a dill pickle is, I mean, it it seems like a comment, like a make sense pairing because it is a make sense pairing. It's yeah. just like, it's a knockout. It's so good.
0: <laughs> it also makes me want a cheeseburger. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So people are connecting with you through Instagram. Is it hard to market this business?
1: You know, the hardest part I think is, is, really that I'm trying to use social media less just from like a mental health personal standpoint. You know, we play this comparison game on Instagram and in order to really grow your business on Instagram, you need to spend a lot of time on there. Um, So I am definitely still using that as a tool, but I really want it to be a representation of me. I don't want to do Instagram to try to you know, I don't want my Instagram to look fake because I'm just trying to grow my posts. I want my Instagram to be a direct reflection of me. So I have been using it as a tool to just kind of share. I want people to buy cheese from me because they, they like me and they want to support my business. So, you know, um, the pretty pictures and stuff really help, but I get just as much interaction when I post pictures of the cows or my cattle dog or some of my sheep too, you know, they're that, I just think it's kind of an interesting interesting tool that um, I think we're still learning a lot about how to fully utilize Instagram all the time. So
0: I wonder if it's interesting to hear you talk because you're a fairly young person and you're seeing Instagram and social media in general as a possible mental health deterrent, which I think is a very common thought amongst your age group, Mm -hmm. because our age group, like we were the beginning of social media and we adopted it so fast and it sort of became this, for many people, a fake way of expressing your life Mm -hmm. and cheese in particular and cheese boards. Like there are gorgeous cheese board companies and people that make boards and it's all about like this certain aesthetic and the pictures are edited to within an inch of their life. And it does make you crave it and it looks super pretty, but your site doesn't feel like that. It feels more educational. It feels more real. And it's interesting to hear you say that that comes with such intention.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think at the beginning, my goal from the beginning and some advice I've gotten from, you know, other people in the business and really, um, Elise, showstrom from redhead creamery, you know, her goal, when I, I was asking her about marketing and stuff yeah. like that, because that's, that's something that's really hard to do. And she said, the easiest way to market is to just tell your story the way you want to tell it, you know, people are either going to like you or they're not going to like you. And that's okay. But it's really easy to post when you're just posting with your voice, you know, you don't have to try to take on a different persona. And and that's how you're going to get followers that are really actively engaged in following you is just by being yourself. So
0: that's good advice that she gave you. And mm-hmm. she, you have some similarities in the, you know, wanting to be on the farm, but yet wanting to have some different experiences too. Um, her parents, I think, said the same thing, like you have to go and find yourself before you come back to the farm, but also coming back to the farm in a really intentional and meaningful way. When you say you like to work with the cows, mm-hmm. what do you mean, like, do you, you like to like uh milk them or like how do you work with a cow and do you have like pets and favorites Oh boy.
1: Yeah. So, so really a dairy farmer's day, it's kind of split up. Our goal every single day is to make sure that no matter what goes on outside of the cows, that for that cow, the day is exactly the same as the day before. Cows love routine. Um, So we milk our cows twice a day. um, And then between milkings, we have feeding, we, you know, clean out all their clean out all their stalls yep. let them outside kind of clean out all their old feed put down fresh feed so that everything is kind of perfect for them all the time um i just really like working with cows because they're they're just a very um they're very different kind of an animal you know they're very slow paced um somebody said it once and i can't remember who it was too you know there's such a routine of milking of of having to have a milking animal um they need you there twice a day for sure, to make sure that, you know, everything, they they just need you there all the time. And so my schedule, I'm a big schedule person. And so to be able to schedule my life around milkings is actually really helpful for me to just kind of always be my best ideas come out during milking. Um, You know, that's really where I have time to think and just kind of connect and, you know, just kind of uh, be, be with nature to feel grounded again, too. And so that's kind of I don't know the cool thing about cows. So, yeah.
0: So you sort of bookmark your beginning and the end of your day with the milking of the cows and that routine provides you some structure with which to fill in the rest of your day that feels Mm -hmm. comforting and kind of like, you know what to expect. And Mm -hmm. that's interesting because I do think um, I'm a pretty creative person in a lot of my pursuits and my daughter is a creative person too. And like I'm always dabbling in all these different things. And then I do have some weekly routines, but I'm kind of all over the place. And I work in these bursts Mm -hmm. and my daughter is also creative. And I know that one of the things that's been hard for her coming out of college is having any routine or any structure to her days and her work isn't, you know, nine to five. So we're just interesting in following each other's footsteps and how she works and then like, I'm like, don't do what I do. Cause it's a mess. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I work on so many different projects and if I have to cook things, you know, sometimes I can be cooking all day. And then other days I'm literally computing all day. I can mm-hmm. spend 14 hours at my computer, just banging stuff out. Yeah. Right. Just having that structure of a day. I kind of miss out. I miss a nine to five work day in that regard.
1: Yeah. And I think I, I totally agree with you there too. You know, it's that, it's that I, on days when I don't have maybe an activity or something planned in the afternoon, I'm not going to get anything done, but today has been a busy day. We've been moving, clipping along from one thing to the next all day. And I know I'm going to have a really productive day today too. And so I think we need both, but um, the cows, just something about working with them. It's just, I just, I love the routine of it. And I think the other part of the cows too is, you know, growing up on a farm, I've had a lot of amazing memories, very close with my family. Um, you know, I don't know that that's something that I don't yeah. take for granted to have been one of the lucky ones that got to grow up on a farm.
0: Yeah. And hang out with your family and still enjoy them. Right. <laughs> um, what's the Price point swing for boards. It's like from what to what?
1: Um, I try to do, uh, you know, depending on the size of it, the the cheapest board you can get is a little two or a little one person box. And that's like $12 a person yep. all the way up to, you know, larger platters are going to, you know, average right around anywhere from seven to $10 a person, kind of depending on what you're ordering. Okay. So, and then if you do classes,
0: are they set classes or you'll do private classes too?
1: Yeah. The private classes um, it's mileage just from our farm to wherever you need me to go and then um I've got a four to six person option is $150, seven to ten person option is two hundred dollars, and each person over that is twenty dollars. Um, if I'm doing them at a winery or a brewery or something, um they're usually right around that forty to fifty dollars, and that includes a flight of the wine or beer as well, plus education from the um from the from the co-host of the yeah, event. Yeah, I love it.
0: All mm-hmm. right, perfect too. Is if you're having like a shower or a brunch or a book club. Mm-hmm just to try something different and do something different. It'd be fun to read a book about farms or farming and then do a pairing with it, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, we did a class um, at Cream and Amber, which is in Hopkins, and actually uh, the book we used on that it's called Cheese, Sex, Death, and it's this really it's a really amazing history of cheese that kind of goes through all the different complexities of cheese. And so that one um, is called the Cheese Bible, I think, from her. So that okay. that was a really fun book to do at a at a, it was a great uh, table kind of table book. It's kind of yeah, interesting to read fun. through.
0: So. I love it. Well, Christine Leonard, uh, people can find you at the greater good MN and
1: And that's greater spelled G R A T E R like a cheese grater. I gotta get that pun in there. Yes. Uh, thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk soon. Yep. Bye.